It's the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Sean Harwell. This is a show where we talk about the movies that fall through our cracks and yours. And I'm joined, of course, by Craig Moorhead. Craig, how are you? Sean, I am in a family way right now. I can tell you that right now. Mm. Uh, yeah, a lot of things. Did you just have another kid? Mm, well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe pretty soon here. Uh, wait a second. Oh. No, no, no. That's not true. <laughs> None of that's true. But uh you're giving birth to another podcast? Yeah, What's just giving on? birth to another one of my it? podcast children. <laughs> we have mm. uh, several of them now, it seems. Uh, but no, mm. I'm doing good. Sean, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, man. This uh, movie we're going to talk about today did get me in the, in the Christmas spirit. I'm not ashamed to say, good. and it's only um, the 22nd of November at the date we're recording it, but we did listen to Christmas music today. That happened. Oh. So um, I got, and I no regrets. Uh, nice. If any year needed extra Christmas music, I think it's this year. Unless you just hate Christmas music. You but, might um, be right. My kids started listening to Christmas music uh, about a couple weeks ago, and uh, I've always been pretty stringent on the fact that we don't listen to any Christmas music until after Thanksgiving, like literally yeah. the next day. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're like, put it back I've, on. yeah, <laughs> kind of. Marshmallow World is is pretty welcome right now. Uh, it's not. Uh, yeah. Take it out. Yeah, I don't know what we're gonna do after Christmas. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're all just gonna be looking forward to the new year. But um, that's but, true. Yeah, yeah. After that, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I guess it's uh, whatever V Day, Vaccine Day will be. Um, <laughs> still feels I like that. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, go out and God. kiss a sailor. Oh, Man. you should. Yeah. Um, but wait until you're both inoculated. Oh, please. don't you worry. Yeah, or just wear a mask when you kiss. Fair That's enough. Fine. Uh, anyway, do you want to tell some folks where they can come say hello, happy holidays, and uh, good riddance if they choose mm, to do so? I, I wouldn't mind doing that at all. Uh, hey, everybody, listen up. If uh, you wanted to get in touch with us and tell us anything that's on your mind, uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Now, on Twitter, you'll see us at Never Podcast. Uh, Facebook, you'll also find us at Never Podcast. Instagram, you'll find us at N-H-O-I-T podcast. And in any of those places, you can get a message to us. You know, uh, you can give us a little a little packet of info, uh, a little secret message, and uh, we will <laughs> decode it. And, uh, and, and you know, if, if you're asking us to watch something, we will we'll put it on a list. And if you just wanted to let us know how great the last episode was, well, we'll have a, a nice smile uh, at that. And, and really, that's what we need more than anything else these days is smiles. That's that, that's not true at all. We need a lot of things much more yeah. than we need smiles. But it sounds nice. <laughs> it's a start. Sure. I mean, it yeah. is, it's not it won't hurt. It won't hurt. Uh, but anyway, if you're looking for other episodes of the podcast, you'll find them in several places. Uh, most of them being Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and CastBox. So if you're looking for the show, you'll find them all there. And uh, anywhere you find them, if you can please subscribe and leave a review, that would help other people find them. And boy, would we appreciate that. And Sean, you know, there's something I would appreciate, and that's you What's that? telling me what you've watched over what feels like the last three months since we did one of these podcasts. It does feel very, very long, and I'm like trying to remember exactly <laughs> where we left yeah. off. I don't think, I think we recorded the last one of these, God, I think it was before Halloween. I believe Craig. it was. 
which means I have to talk about The Evil Dead and The Evil Dead 2. Yes. Um, I watched both of those, um, not exactly back-to-back in one day, but back-to-back in uh, consecutive days. And I, I wanted to ask you this, Craig. What's the what's the take on which is the better of those two films in, these days amongst the sort of like uh, the, the horror purebloods? Boy, that's a really good question. Is that a thing? Uh I can't say that I have my thumb on the pulse of uh, the the larger horror crowd at this point. Yeah. I, I've always loved those two movies dearly, and I'm almost positive I saw the second one before I saw the first one. I would bet so. But the yeah. way I've always looked at it is, and I mean, there is a, 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 a hair-thin line between these two things that I'm about to say, <laughs> is I've yeah. always thought of the first one as the scary one. And the second one as the funny one. But they're both pretty much the exact same mixture of funny and scary as far as I'm concerned. But Mm -hmm. the first one actually creeped me out. And the second one is just just a free-for-all that I just love. So, I don't know. I still kind of like myself, I still kind of go for the first Evil Dead. Just because uh, there's so much moxie and gumption in that thing, you know? It's just like kids out in the woods going crazy and and just making a really neat movie and uh i kind of love that well uh thank you because yeah i was gonna say i i think i walked away feeling like the original and the first film was was the better of the two you know i yeah i agree it's kind of like a thin line i mean good god when you watch them that close together the second one i mean (laughs) it's kind of the same movie like in fact it is i mean and and almost on purpose i think like they were basically remaking it it is. It does feel like a remake because I'm like, wait, why is he going back to the cabin? Like, why would you do yeah. that? There's no discussion about it, but I kind of didn't care, yeah. you know. And you don't need to have much discussion, but yeah, there, there's just something kind of incredible about that first one. Although, um, was it the second one? One of those two they shot in North Carolina. I want to say Wadesboro, North Carolina. They shot the second one I think so. part of it. Uh, I could be wrong. It's kind of interesting. I'm looking at IMDb right now and. Boy, it's it's neck and neck as far as the user ratings go. Oh. It's a seven point five for the Evil Dead, which uh, according to this bears an NC seventeen rating, which I'm sure it did at the time, but now it just seems that seems silly. Yeah. And seven point eight for Evil Dead two, so a slight edge there uh, among users. Which I didn't look at that before I asked you that question. Right, <laughs> I would have just made it. What is your favorite, Craig? Uh, but I think I'm with you. I, I I really did appreciate just what they did in that first one. Um, it's kind of impressive. And, man, I, I don't know. There's there's just something to, like, them just getting there. Like, it just goes. It just starts. Yeah. And then you're stuck, and it's just like, what, what are they going to do effects-wise with no money? That's yeah. the most amazing thing, just no money. So, and as I've always understood cool. it, it was uh, – boy, I can't remember the, the horror reference – but it was basically a horror movie, a horror version of Three Stooges is what I always understood. Oh, really? Like Sam Raimi's interesting, like like point of origin was on that, and especially huh. at the time. I mean, that was the end of the seventies, or no, it was eighty one. Came out in eighty one. I'm sure they shot it like yeah, year before. Yeah. probably. I mean, that's no one was doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just such a perfect and it's just like, like there's nothing to the movie. Like there's just nothing to it. There's there's almost no story and it really is just mm-hmm. we have a, a little house in the middle of the woods and uh yeah, 
I don't know. I, I do. I, I, I really, I really like that one a lot. But even just getting like the nighttime photography that they got was pretty For impressive sure. considering what they, what they had to wear. And that was film too. You yeah. Know? Not easy no. to do. Okay. I'll keep moving here. Uh, I told the entire country of France that I was going to do this for them. And uh, I have, I've watched another Olivier Oseas movie, nice. um, which that's the only reason I think anybody in France ever listens to this <laughs> is to hear me butcher name. So I watched 1994's Cold Water, which I think might have been one of his very first, if not first, uh, directorial efforts. Uh, he came to rise as a writer, if I'm not mistaken. And I really like this movie. It's, it's a very kind of fly-on-the-wall story about a, a teen couple um, and the, the girl is kind of in and out of, um, I guess what would be called like juvie, uh, I think, you know, um, as a parent, I can say freely, these are delinquents for sure. <laughs> like I would, they need scolding and grounded and all kind. No, but it's just, it's really good. The actress is, uh, Virginie Ledoyen, see, I butchered that, I'm sure, um, who I realized was in the beach, which I think I've only oh, seen yeah. when it came out because, that was Danny Boyle and DiCaprio kind of post-train spotting in Titanic. It felt like a sure thing, and, and it, I don't think it is no. at all. Um, but I do remember her, her in that and, and being pretty captivating. And, um, yeah, there's just some really good lingering moments in this movie with uh, an interesting soundtrack. And it feels authentic. It feels like, you know, a movie made for young people by young people, although I don't, I don't know how young he was when he made that but speaking of, too, I watched a Greg Araki movie, uh, Mysterious Skin, which I had been yeah. obviously very late to the party here. And, uh, man, that's that's something. That is uh, that's an intense movie in a lot of places and uh, a good one at that. Big uh, JGL props to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Jujulig. Jujul. It's a tough role there. Treasure Planet we watched as a family. The Disney film from 2002 – which, um, I, I mean, I, I couldn't say that I've heard a single person talk about this until I started teaching students who are, you know, 18, 19, 20. Right. And there's a lot of them that grew up with this movie, you know, and love it. And I liked it, too. I was very, very tired, so I did fall asleep for a little bit. But I don't think it's the movie's fault. But I, I would need to revisit it to really say it's the same directors that did Moana. It doesn't, I mean, there's, I don't know that there's any overlap between the two whatsoever, but... It's got a really cool look to it. I don't know. Have you seen this thing? I haven't. I've actually been trying to get our kids yeah. to watch it because I haven't seen it. And just just from the description, I feel like it's something they might like. But uh, but no, never saw it. But you know, uh, Ingrid, my daughter, I've talked about it before, and she had like zero interest. But we've been doing a thing where we rotate every Friday night. One of us gets to pick a movie. So I was like, I'm just gonna put it, like if I pick this and just put it on. I bet. She, and she did. She really liked yeah. it. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. And then I rewatched It's a Wonderful Life because yeah. I felt like I had to, Craig. And uh, also I had purchased the 4K version on iTunes and it was just sitting there and I hadn't got around to it. So I enjoyed, obviously, watching that again. That new transfer looks great. So recommend that as well. And uh, that's it, Craig. What about you? Uh, well, I'd like to throw this out first is that I have a pledge from my eight-year-old Yeah. that she is interested now in watching It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, fun. Because she asked okay. me what my favorite Christmas movie was, and I told her that's what it was. And even though I told her it was from 1946 and it was in black and white, which she kind of kind of made a face mm -hmm. at. And you're like, and a good bit of it's going to seem really depressing. Yeah, it's it's going to be like, <laughs> it's going to be an older <laughs> yeah. man, kind of like your dad. 
mm-hmm. he's going to be in a real bad place for like uh, an hour 45 minutes and then for the last half an hour yeah uh but i don't know we'll see uh <laughs> we'll see how that goes but there's snow in it there's a so, lot of snow yeah. it is christmas time there's a couple kids in it every there now are one of them so. one of them sick uh hmm oh yeah that's true this is yeah, tough uh, zuzu yeah okay uh <laughs> And I'm, I'm pretty sure in one version of the story, she actually doesn't make it. So I don't know. But regardless, <laughs> yeah, we'll see where that goes. As far as movies yeah. we've actually watched, I am trying to remember if we if we watched anything other than this. And I don't think so. We started watching The Witches, the new HBO oh, yeah. uh, version, Robert Zemeckis version of The Witches. We got about 10 minutes into it. And both of my kids were so freaked out. They were like, I can't watch this, Dad. So that was kind of a bummer. They were kind of excited about it. To be fair, it's a freaky story. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read it, but it is a, it's it's Roald Dahl. And, you know, he is, right. he's so good at kind of just letting things be dark and not really concerned with reassuring everyone in the audience that things are going to be okay or (laughs) any of that. Like, it's just even, you know, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, too, uh, it's a little weird, you know, it's a little weird and dark and you don't know where Willy Wonka's sure. coming from the whole time. So anyway, we, we, we got into the part where all the witches' mouths were splitting open when they were talking and the kids were just like, that's too, that's too crazy. We're not doing that anymore. So uh, we started watching a show after that called Tiny World. I believe it's on Apple TV, narrated by... It is, yes, we've seen yeah, that. Yeah, narrated by Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. And that thing's incredible. It's really good. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out yeah, they, they, I, I'm assuming they just must have shot so much footage. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then obviously built the episodes around whatever footage they had. Because so much of it seems like, how are they following this animal character? Like, this is... I know. It seems absolutely impossible. Just like some of the activity of the bugs. It's like... Yeah. I've taken pictures of bugs and things like that, and they're not doing that kind of interesting stuff. Like how long you have to wait to see what you see uh, on that show. Yeah, the production value is insane. And I don't think there's CG in it. I don't think so. So, yeah. So it's... it's, That would be disappointing if it is. It would be. It would be. Like it definitely casts a spell and, and, and yeah, mainly because of... Kind of like when we watched Phase 4. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's incredible that there's that Mm -hmm. much footage of these really kind of hard-to-find animals. Like, yeah, there's there's one bit in one of the episodes where uh, there's a hummingbird who has babies. Yeah. And the the babies are being attacked by ants, and the hummingbird comes back and, like, flicks all the ants one by one away from the babies and saves the day. And I'm just like, how the how the hell did you get that moment? <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah. That's insane to me. Unless it's just like clockwork. Like as soon as one of those has a baby, boy, the ants come out. I don't know. <laughs> no, but I don't think it is. No, I, mean, I don't think so either. You have to be in the right spot. Yeah. Oh my god. So anyway, that's a pretty incredible show. Uh, my wife and I are watching What We Do in the Shadows, which uh, I had resisted for a long time, and I'm not exactly sure why. Yeah. But so many people thought it was funny, and I was like, I'm not gonna think it's funny. Well, I do think it's funny. I think it's very funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's been cracking us up uh, for the last uh, couple of Where weeks. are you uh, in the season there? We are in the second season. I want to say we just watched the first episode of the second season. Nice. Yeah. There's a couple of really good ones to come. I finished that. I, I found it. It's, it's just like 
easy breezy comforting thing to put on you know there's no yes. major plot lines that are really being serviced occasionally no. there's like a story arc or two yeah um but it's mostly just about those actors being super funny and they are incredibly funny they're so funny yeah. i mean yeah like everyone on it's funny the the main three vampires are yeah i mean they're just they're just almost effortless effortlessly funny yeah the guy who plays the familiar is funny and like what his character arc has been so far is great. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's so Especially great. Especially in season two, I think it's really good. Yeah, um, yeah. And I like uh, Colin Robinson, the energy vampire. Oh yeah, Colin Robinson. Right yeah, I can't forget. I can't forget. Uh, oh God, yeah. Jay. Uh, well, I can't remember what his name is. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but man, yeah, they're they're really firing on all cylinders there. Uh, so I'm so happy to have found that. I know. I feel like they should do just like. They did one more season, maybe two, and just be done. Like, you know, it, yeah. it, it doesn't need to get more complicated or anything or overstay its welcome. It can just be this nice little perfect thing. It's true because there there are so many great moments that they've done that you kind of are worried they, they're going to start redoing them or, or, you know, kind of retreading yeah. funny moments or something. And uh, yeah, no. Matt Berry, who I've just, who I know has been in a ton of stuff and I've kind of yeah. not seen a lot of it but i mean he he is just he can say almost anything and just, con- just kills me right and so is the i i can't remember the name of the actress i, who I, may be I the funniest looked one her up and i'm like yeah I, I don't know her from anything and i i agree i think she just is a absolute scene stiller sometimes yeah and finally we started watching the second season of the mandalorian yep how you feeling about that are you all caught up uh i gotta tell you i'm, I'm just not understanding what this show is and and uh, oh, I can tell you exactly what it is. Oh, t- they have go a ahead. mission to do. Uh, they have a mission to do, but every episode they have to go do a different mission, a side quest, if you will. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, that's what it's been like for four episodes, and I do feel it's it's getting a little stale. Personally. Well, let me. <laughs> I've heard others say the same. Let, let me ask you this: It seems like the main mission is of great importance. Yes, and is and is in constant peril, and yet our main character tends to leave the object of that mission just like out in the street yes. and i'm always like well, what uh but i mean that that's kind of a small thing it's kind of a big thing but it's also kind of a small thing it's a big thing over time like it didn't bother me until i just we watched the most recent episode today and i was like okay surely they're not gonna oh yep they are they are right. they're gonna do this exact same formula and now four episodes in a row and i'm just like you're halfway through your season now come on give us something different so yeah I feel I think it's coming. I will. I won't spoil anything. I don't. I couldn't spoil anything. I don't even know what. Yeah, I don't know right. half of what's going on. And like, I know people have been losing their mind about various like characters who popped up um, in a couple of these episodes, and that I just don't know at all. I know they're on Clone yeah. Wars and a couple of the other locations of these right. storylines, but um, yeah, I don't know. Well, and I guess that's another thing. Yeah, it's like, well, well I wonder if I'm just like I'm not well versed enough in Star Wars. Lore. But you shouldn't have to be. Come on. I don't feel like I should have to be. Nah, and and, and I shouldn't. think it's I, I think also that maybe it's a show that's aiming for that kind of what is it? CW UPN Xena Warrior Princess Hercules type feel or something. Like it's not trying yeah. to necessarily be as it, Star Wars as I expect it to be. Glimpses every now and then that it could be so much more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And based on the number of Emmy nominations they got for Best Drama last year, uh, I think it, it it should strive to, to do more, perhaps. I guess so. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We will see. We will see. I, I think, 
I mean, Baby Yoda is still cute. Still cute. Kind of gross at times. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still think it has... They actually cast really great, interesting actors in really weird and sometimes bad ways to me that, that yeah. just confuse me. But I'm so glad that, that they're there. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, that's that's really all I have to say about all the stuff we've been trying to watch. So cool. uh, maybe we should go ahead and jump into the big movie that both of us watched. Yeah, I real quickly, when I, was, yeah. I have started uh, The Queen's Gambit. I forgot to mention ah, that. Uh, I'm like three episodes in. And I, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's not like blowing my socks off yet, but I definitely see... Um, some real story potential to be quite effective when looked at as a whole. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to see where it's going. And um, yeah, there's a couple things coming. You know, I want to see Mank, the new Fincher thing yeah. is coming out. I think there's one or two other things that I've got my eye on here before the end of the year. So we'll, we'll see what we can do. It'll be a quick turnaround when we record again, probably. So I probably won't have watched anything, but um, <laughs> fingers crossed, folks. Fingers crossed. Um, anyway, yeah, let's talk about today's movie, which we teed off last week, and that is The Family Man from the year 2000. Oh, nice. I know. I just, that was actually spontaneous, although I know it didn't sound like it. Um, <laughs> well, a little, little tip of the hat to Conan, who's leaving uh, Daily Late Night for the first yeah. time in 28 years, which is crazy. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, this is the movie from director Brett Ratner. It was written by David Diamond and David Weissman. we got Nicolas Cage, of course, Taya Leone, Don Cheadle, etc., Harv Presnell. Um, who else was in this? Uh, Jeremy Piven, of course. Uh, Saul Rubinick, right? Yeah. A couple other folks here and there that, that people may recognize. Mary Beth Hurt, etc., etc., and Logline, one more time, a fast lane investment broker offered the opportunity to see how the other half lives, wakes up to find that his sports car and girlfriend have become a minivan and wife. This, of course, Craig, was suggested by you as, uh, you know, looking at uh, movies for a month here that have at least some distant relation to It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. So it makes all the sense in the world then to ask you, how much better is this than It's a Wonderful Life, in your opinion? Sean, this movie is at least 100 times better than It's a Wonderful Life. Really? And I did not expect you to go that direction. I know. I know. I don't think a lot of people did. It's a very yeah. contrarian viewpoint, but uh, I'm standing behind it. Okay. 1,000%. Uh, this movie... This is... You know we're recording, right? You do understand this. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Think about this. All You remember all the flaws and problems with It's a Wonderful Life? Mm -hmm. I mean, this movie fixes all... All of them. I mean, it's just top sure to we bottom. Don't see uh, James Stewart in his underwear in that one. <laughs> and that was the problem. Yeah, well, it was one of them, yeah. When was he dancing in a closet? A gigantic <laughs> walk-in closet with windows. Yeah. Uh, Sean, I didn't think it was as good as It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, okay. This may shock you, but I was joking earlier. Mm. However, kind of much like you, I, I was surprised at how much I did like it. Surprised at how... I don't know. I guess I'm kind of confused about the end, and I want to say yeah. I want to say that the end was tougher than I thought it would be, but also more confusing than it needed to be, baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yes. We will. Uh, but but all that said, I mean, you've got uh, a really great cast, a story that keeps going, even though sometimes you're like, hmm, wait a second, what? But Really, the cast is, is firing on all cylinders in, in such a great way. They have a kid actor who, for my money, is you got to feel good about having cast that kid. That kid delivered on her 
role, like, oh man, she could have sunk what what kind of became to me one of probably the most interesting thing in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll also get to. So that is real quickly. I'm gonna say. Mackenzie Vega yes. was the actress. He played Annie Campbell. She was all of six years old when the movie came out, at least. So I'm not sure. She must have been five at the time, which sounds about yeah, right. That sounds about right. Uh, but that's where I stand on Family Man. Sean, what about you? Uh, about the same, Craig. I'm going to go ahead and just say I, I think they completely whiffed the landing of this movie. I'll say yeah. that outright, and we'll talk about more about why I think that. And agree, there's some stuff I'm just confused about as far as the concept of this movie, I think. And yet, I, 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 I'm kind of with you. I think I enjoyed it more than I expected. It felt nostalgically pleasing to me in the sense that I was like, yeah, this is just like an old-fashioned, crowd-pleasing kind of movie, at least for part of it, right? Right. I mean, nine-tenths of it, for sure. Yeah. But I also feel like, and part of that nostalgia is just like, I was thinking about now, like, who is this movie for? Like, I don't even know because it's, yeah. it's not, you know, there was a, there's some kids in it, and yet it's, it's not, it doesn't have like the family appeal of... Um, I mean, not even remotely close to, like, Home Alone. Right. It doesn't go quite so far, I don't think, in the, like, romantic comedy vein to really be something that's, like, a date movie for people under the age of, like, 30. I don't right. I don't think. Maybe. Maybe it was a date movie for people under 30. But now I don't think it would be. Now I don't even know, like, where this would get made or how it would get made now. It just it feels... Yeah, like a like a lost thing in the studio space, certainly. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of lament that in a way because I do think, yeah, like you see so much potential in this as just like a good movie for people who are, yeah, over 30 and, uh, you know, have careers and relationships and have gone through some of these things uh, without it being exactly something that ticks the boxes of a romantic comedy or ticks the boxes of being like, uh, you know, this, this this sort of market of, of movies that we see every now and then that's like for people clearly over the age of 60, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the Marigold Hotel and some of those films. So, yeah, it's just kind of in this weird little middle lane that uh, I, I'm not sure exists anymore. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the cageisms. We got to talk about some of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Well, let me let me just say this right about because like. Uh, Gretchen, my wife, was asking me after I watched the movie last night, you know, how it was, and we were talking, and then she said, be honest. And I was like, well, where's she going with this? Do you think Nicolas Cage is a good actor? And, you know, it was, I felt like I had to be defensive. I'm like, yeah, I think, but, you know, well, I was like, I don't know. Like, when it's all said and done, and we, like, look at the filmography, I'll say he's an interesting actor. I'll say that without any caveats he makes things interesting yes. when he's trying i don't it makes sense that he's a movie star does it i guess <laughs> well because I mean, because i think certainly he has he has the charisma to hold your attention yes okay and i feel like he certainly knows how to do that i think sometimes he's all over the the map mm-hmm. but I, but like i I guess that's more what it is. Like it just it makes sense to me why people would put him in movies because I mean you do you do want to watch it. Yeah, you know. And he tends not to say no. It seems. Uh, he does. I, I know that to not be the case, but nonetheless, Fair boy, he's got a movie coming out 
all the time. Okay, well, let's start with just the conceit of this movie, which does kind of have a sort of built-in, you know, nod in the direction of It's a Wonderful Life or A Christmas Carol. And so I, I definitely felt like I knew where this movie was going pretty early on. And we'll talk about whether it goes there or how it gets there if it does. But Nicolas Cage is a Wall Street investment guy of sorts. After a brief prologue, which this is kind of interesting too. One of the professors that you and I both had at North Carolina School of the Arts, Jonas Kovashi, said something recently uh, in a conversation that I had, or it was, was with him when he was leading a class about how a movie should begin where the previous conflict left off. Hmm. And this movie kind of does that. It, it sort of starts with the ending. And I wondered if this was even going to just be bookended. And it, it kind of is. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But um, it feels like the end of a movie, the way this movie begins. It's Tay Leone and Nicolas Cage at an airport. Nicolas Cage is about to go get on a plane to go to London to do an internship. We find out Tay Leone's got... She, she's doing law school, I think. I don't think she, I can't remember if she graduated yet or not. But um, right. anyway, she's got a great plan for her future. He's got an opportunity here for his future. He'll be back after a year and they'll begin their life together um, as like an adult couple with real career, career opportunities. But she doesn't want him to get on the plane. And she has this very passionate speech about why he shouldn't do that and screw the plan. The only thing that really matters and that is, you know, the strongest part of their life is the relationship. And so she's choosing that over career. And he finds that really touching and then turns around and gets on the plane. Right. And yeah, then we cut to the New York life. And I, what well, it had been, what do they say? 13 years? Something like 13 that? years. Okay, 13. 1987. Okay. At the beginning, and yeah. Yep. And 13 years later, and then we see him in this new life. And it, it's a very familiar movie sort of rich person life. You know, he's mm -hmm. got, yeah, the penthouse in Manhattan and the skyline out his window. He's just had sex with, a, a I think, a call girl, call girl or at least someone he just met or, or just uh Right. Someone he's not in a serious relationship with. Nope, definitely not. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, he goes into work. They're getting ready for a huge merger. And, um, you know, the person that's basically got the final say over this is out in Aspen, but is nervous. And so it's going to require Nicolas Cage to go to Aspen, which he's all too happy to do. Cancel the plans with his aunt, whoever, uh, for Christmas Day lunch. He's going to work. And Without being a complete hard-ass, unlikable Gordon Gecko Wall Street guy, he 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 lets it known that uh, lets it be known that you know th this is who he is, and this is kind of what everyone should aspire to in this yeah. workplace, right? He leaves the office late that night, and of course, because this is a movie and uh, a movie of the time, after he's had this whole passion speech about basically. You know, it's it's a badge of courage to work as much as he does. He leaves the office and says goodnight to the black guy who's working the gates, you know, the security, mm -hmm. who uh, it's pretty clear is probably just going to have to work there over Christmas. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> uh, not because he wants to, I'm guessing, Greg. No, um, no. Just, just felt like that was... He, he didn't was... give anyone the same speech, you know, no. in the back room. Yeah, yeah, no. So, yeah, two different two different Americas there, perhaps on display, that don't get any attention whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, 
On his way home, he stops to get eggnog at a you know head shop, convenience store. And in there, Don Cheadle comes in with a lottery ticket. He says he's got the right numbers. The guys behind the counter, who, of course, are Asian, don't believe him, want him to get out of there. Cheadle pulls a gun. Nicholas Cage uh, diffuses the situation by offering to buy the lottery ticket for 200 bucks when it was going to pay 238 And then that way, you know, if he can cash it in, great, that's $38 that he made. Um, and this guy's got 200 where otherwise he may have zero. They leave... I don't remember exactly what happens, but Don Cheadle knows Nicolas Cage's name. His character's name is Jack. He says right. it a couple times. Says he, well, he calls everybody Jack. Long story short, goes home, wakes up the next morning, and he is in the suburbs of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And he's got a wife named Taya Leone. <laughs> and uh, her hair is a little shorter than the last right. time we saw her at the beginning of the movie. They got two kids. It's Christmas morning, and obviously he starts freaking out. Now they did. Yeah. They did kind of plant a little nugget here, which I'm still. We'll have to talk about this too. But she had called him back in the uh, Wall Street version of his life the night before, uh, and left message with his secretary or assistant lady, and he chose not to call her back. Well, actually, pause on that. Was the See, I had a different take on that. Uh-oh. I thought the person that called him was at some other girlfriend. I didn't think it was her. It was Kate. That's what she it said. It definitely was me. Kate. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm like, and I, I think I know why, but we it can would talk be a about tighter that. story. If, yeah, yeah. I, I just, for some reason, I thought it was just someone else. Well, actually, now that you mention it, like, uh, I mean, he said it was, he said they were almost married. I know that much. So I'm like, who else would it be? Fair enough. The reason this is confusing is because I don't think it got really addressed at the end when they do meet up back in this sort of Wall Street parallel of, of lives here. Right. But anyway, okay. You're absolutely right because she called him because she had stuff for him because she's moving. Okay. So that I, I does make sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was it, but then I don't remember like what stuff she had or whatever. I don't know. It was like, mm. uh, yeah, that, was, that scene was kind of weird. But yeah, so he, he wakes up Christmas morning. He's confused. He leaves the house. He's like, Going back to the city, he sees Cheadle again, who explains nothing, really, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. But th- this is a glimpse. This is a glimpse at what his life could have been, basically. It's the ghost of, you know, alternate Christmas, if you will. And le- well, let's and le- actually let me pause you there uh, for, for a couple reasons. Yeah. No, I, I, we, we, there's a lot of things we have to unpack just right here. There, there's a bunch. I mean, so, so back in the uh, convenience store. Yeah. Cheadle comes in, Cash comes in, starts making a scene about this lottery ticket, pulls a gun. How Did you find it strange that Nick yes. Cage was the one who was immediately like, I need to diffuse this situation in the most like reasonable and smart way possible? As in out of character to what we had seen prior to this? I mean, yes. It's hard to say it was completely out of character because as you said, it wasn't like he was some kind of jerk. No. Who was like looking down on poor people and junk like that. But it just seemed odd that he was such a, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it felt weird that, that of all the people in the store, he was going to step forward and really take care of the situation. I don't know. I well, don't know. I'll say this. If the word family was not in the title and they were going for a slightly different audience, well, even, even with those. The answer is right. Like Cheadle just needed to really pull the gun 
on Cage, like scare the sure. shit out of him for a second. Yeah, and that like that makes so much sense to me as like a springboard into this like, oh, you're comfortable in your life. Guess what? Like y- y- from this point yeah. forward, no you're going to be uncomfortable. You're yeah. going to understand like what it means to like have a heart um, because that's right. what you've lost, right, Scrooge? You know, so. Right. Yeah, it was it was a little confusing the way they did it, um, and like trying to give I don't know like Cage some power in that situation, but even then like they did sort of you know out on the street then Nicholas Cage was trying to like you know if you it's gonna take a lot of hard work but you know I'm sure there's like places around town that could help you get on your feet kind of thing. <laughs> it was right. that sort of like um, and they hit that again with uh, the lady that lives in his building um, when he comes back when cage comes back that first morning yeah. um about like you know there's, there's plenty of shelters around here there ought to be some place for a crazy like homeless person like you um so they were sort of doing that elite manhattan um looking down on everybody else thing a little yeah but yeah there's some stuff there that's just it didn't seem like the cleanest way in but i also correct i just i don't know who cash is i don't understand no where did he come from what how does this work what does he want where did he go? With it? Where, where does he appear later on um, or at the end of this thing? Like, what is that all about? Yeah. yeah. Uh, is he an angel? Is he a ghost? Like, <laughs> Right. What is this? I mean, and, and it seems like so. So then Cage, you know, walks him out of that place talking to him like isn't what I would expect if you had like the rich character at the beginning of the story would be like, Hey man, you know there's a homeless shelter over there. Get yourself taken care of and like walk away. Mm. But Nick Cage is like workshopping stuff with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he says the thing about you know, boy, and, and now I can't remember the the actual words that he used, but something about you know, like you're 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 missing something in your life or you need something yeah. in your life to cash. And Cash is like, oh, I need something. So then mm-hmm. it seems like Cash does this almost as like, like in a like his retribution for having said that to him, I, I wow, did not understand how right. we got to the point of the glimpse. Which, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that to me, I don't even like that version. I, I, I think it, it only works if it was like planned from the word go, uh, you know. Right. It's like, well, why would it be coincidental when nothing else about it is <laughs> is coincidental? In, in, in It's a Wonderful Life, Clarence throws himself off a bridge that... Uh, Jimmy is about to throw himself off of mm-hmm. as a way of saving him and, yeah. you know, causing him to care about somebody else more and, and then kind of snapping him out of it and then take him into this world of, you know, and that's kind of what I expected was that cash was, did that totally on purpose yeah. just to, to bring out the heart of, of Nick cage a little bit to defuse that situation. And then it was going to be like a, like a gift or something like here's what, yeah. but, but it seems like it's almost a punishment. And, and and Nick Cage just doesn't seem like enough of an asshole to deserve a punishment at this point. So I don't know. I don't Not know. Not only that, it's like um, he doesn't seem like an asshole. And it, it, it doesn't seem like... Um... I mean, you could make the argument that his life's not not that bad. I mean, he's missing really. Christmas lunch with his aunt, but he seems to be doing what he enjoys. Right. And, you know, there was the girl that got away, but we don't ever see him feeling like there was the girl that got away. No, so, exactly. Yeah, he, he seems... He seems happy enough. He's not treating... He's not treating the people around him like jerks. Nope. There's very little to... I mean, aside from the fact that it's sort of his, you know, conspicuous consumption, 
Like he, he has a super expensive car and a super expensive apartment and everything, but in and of themselves, those things aren't bad. <laughs> yeah. It's not unhealthy. Like it doesn't feel like he stepped all over people to get them. He just was good at this right. job that pays very well and it's kind of part of this bigger issue. Right. And if yes. he had a lot of anger coming out of the fact that he regretted walking away from Kate, then it'd be like, oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. But it just, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a hole there. I know, like, or or there's just like, you know, if he had broken her heart and ruined her life and like somehow she was, or like this is retribution for that. Like, you know, um, to, to see and understand that it's somehow like a, it, it's coming from something that he did to her. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk in a minute. Like, yeah, her, her life ended up okay, too, too yeah. after he got on that plane. I mean, she was sad for a while, but, uh, you know, right. um, uh, yeah. So it's just interesting. It's an interesting concept and way into a story which then I think mostly works. Um, yes. Once we get settled in New Jersey and kind of get the lay of the land and, like, you know, this is his family life. These are the in-laws. These are the neighbors, Jeremy Piven, um, and the guys that he bowls with and where he works and the kids. And, like, you sort of see that, and they start to just play off of the normal problems and things that, it you know, most married couples would deal with, right? Right. And, and that's where I think the movie, like, hits a stride. And also, it feels like TV in some regards, you know, I think a good like TV relationship show or family show kind of yeah. hit those those moments. But with the sort of yeah movie hook of he's kind of just going through the motions to to get up to speed and keep this like house of cards thing from completely crumbling because of him exactly. You know, he yeah. tried to go back to Manhattan and just figure out what the hell was going on, and nobody there knew who he was and then cash appeared and told him you know this is what you got and um i mean you you if you wanted to be a real stickler about it i guess like you could question like well why does he go back to new jersey at all you know I mean, if that happened to yes you? yeah so so that's that's another part that's kind of hard to to get uh mm -hmm. is so he's been told this is a glimpse it's clearly uh, I mean, it's clear something could, I guess, be to to someone in that situation, but it's it's pretty clearly some sort of parallel universe. Yeah. It's not like he's been put in the body of her current husband. It's like a completely different timeline. So in a way, like him, him trying to do his best to keep things seeming normal in that house kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. No, and it, it, it doesn't, especially the further it goes on, I just found myself asking like, at what point does he just stop and go, what the hell am I doing? Like, right. this, is, this isn't my life. Like, uh, none of this is real. And I know this because of this cash guy. Yeah. What am I doing here? Like, why? I need to figure out how the hell to get back to my own life. Like, if, if for no other reason than faking it for these people. Like, is, I don't know. Like, it just, like. Yeah. The, the point where, you know, he stops trying to understand what the hell is going on is it becomes a little difficult for me to believe. And I, I wish, right. like, I wish it had been more inescapable. Like, if he had gone to Manhattan and had this, like, yelling argument with Cash is just like, whatever, dude, this is bullshit. Like, I just, I'm just, I'm going back to my apartment. And he walks in the door of that building 
and he's back in that house in New Jersey. Like, you know, like right. more like, supernatural. Like magic keeps him. Yes. It's like, yeah. nope, no, you're not. This is your fate. You're going ha- to be forced. I'm going to rub your nose into this, and you're going to watch your life right. uh, for 24 hours. Like, the rules of it are just not there, I guess. Um, they they aren't. And, yeah. and I think that is, it kind of undercuts probably my favorite part of the whole movie, mm-hmm. which comes right on the heels of my least favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> Uh-oh. Which is the day that he has to change a diaper. Yeah. And I was Mr. just like, Mom. God, yeah. we got one of these scenes. <laughs> like, and they even the guy show who the baby peeing. A yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I see that. Bet, bet somebody's going to poop on him. Oh. Yeah. But during this scene, the little girl is watching him. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you know, it's, it's very clear to her that something's up because... You know, her her dad, you would assume, knows how to change a diaper. Yep. Uh, her real dad. And so she goes over to him and she basically says, like, I know you're not my real dad. You know, I, I know you're basically an alien in, in a dad's skin. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just want to know, A, that my dad's coming back, and B, that, like, you're not going to, like, eat me and my brother. Yeah. Like, essentially. And, and he's like, oh, no, that's fine. And and you kind of have this really great moment, I thought, partially because the kid's super cute and, and like doing exactly what she needs to do. Yeah, she's good. I thought it was a really interesting take on what a kid might put together and and like just believable enough in a story like this. And so I thought that was really fun. And it distracted from the I can't change a diaper scene, which was probably mm-hmm. my favorite part of the whole thing. But if that little girl doesn't actually exist anywhere but in this glimpse of his then in a way, I kind of feel like there's not really that great of stakes. Like, I guess that's the thing. At that moment, I felt like, oh, man, he's feeling the weight of the fact that there's this little girl who he's a da- he's been a dad to. Yeah. And she really loves that dad. And he's, like, destroying that. And, like, that's, that's kind of heart-wrenching. But then when I really think about it, it's like, but wait a second. She only sort of exists in this world because mm-hmm. he said that something was missing from some other guy's life. So kind of doesn't matter if he fucks up as a dad in this scenario because yep. she does, she's not going to she'll be gone but i didn't know that at that point in the movie i guess i should say that yeah i'll go one further yeah. and say i really found my in that moment i'm like oh is that where they're going with this movie that's that's awesome like i mm-hmm. there's a version of this where it's kind of like an uncle buck uh, John Candy and uh, sure. Macaulay Culkin kind of thing sure. <laughs> that I would have loved. I, I think, yeah. And like, she's so good in that scene. You're right. And it's just like, oh, that's a really fun ruse to just see like, how far could they take this? And it almost never comes up again. There's like one or two more scenes and it's basically where, you know, he's dropping the kids off, which again, oh my God, like the dates of all this stuff, it just drove me crazy <laughs> because it's like Christmas morning the day after, he's dropping the the boy off at daycare <laughs> and the girl at winter camp. Winter camp at a library. Right. I'm like, come on. Like, where does this exist? Yeah. Like, you you had to invent this because 
you needed to do something with the kids, put them somewhere. Yeah. Uh, on the day after Christmas. Yeah, because in real life, yeah, you're with those kids for the next two weeks at least. Oh my God, yeah. Um, I, it was just preposterous. So that stuff drove <laughs> me crazy. Um, and but also it was just like, yeah, no, no, don't get rid of her. She should be with yeah. you. Like you have to have this. Like you know, you're Mando and the child now. Like th- this sure. is the fun of this uh, arrangement here. Um, and it makes so much sense. You become close with this kid. And that's like your big reason along with the wife of like wanting to stay. You know, you're closer with the kid or, or, or just in a different way than you are with, with Teo Leone. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it felt like a missed opportunity a little bit to me. All of which is to say I completely stand by my belief going into this that I love Teo Leone and I came out still yeah. loving Teo Leone. I mean, I wish she had a little more or different shades to play in this thing a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And good God, she's forgiving uh, as a, (laughs) as a wife (laughs) too many times, not, not her own faults. She did the best she could with that. I think that the story gave her here. Yeah. This is not a real, it's not a marriage story. Let's just say that. (laughs) Right. I mean, I I can certainly say while I, 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 I know I would be forgiven if I did disappear on Christmas morning and yeah. just didn't tell anybody and no one could get a hold of me for like three hours or, or more. Yeah, I'd, I'd be in trouble for a little while. That that wouldn't just be like, oh, all right. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so yeah. What about uh, taking her out, uh, taking your wife out to the restaurant and ordering the $800? Well, I guess they didn't get the $800 bottle of wine, but he orders like everything on the menu. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, that was yeah. Ah, it's like, ah. and then they spend the night at a yeah at a really nice hotel. I mean, I, I don't know. Like at some point, I'm just like, that's not a gift. That's uh, that's, that's an debt invitation. Is what that yeah, is. yeah. It's it's and something you really ought to run by your spouse beforehand. You know, <laughs> you could do a, a a portion of that as a surprise, but really, I, I think you know that yeah. that warrants a conversation. Well, it's certainly it's certainly swinging for the fences in a way that if it goes mm. wrong, oof. Yeah. Like maybe your wife might find that like kind of crazy and charming, but mm, mm-hmm. that's tough. Yeah. But uh, again, you know, I, I like there. there's moments where she pushes them on things and they argue about things and she's trying to make sense of what to her would just kind of seem like he's having a midlife crisis, which he kind of is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the way he plays it even though it's not a way that he can explain as just like, this isn't my life. It's more like him kind of falling into those steps of like, okay, yeah, if this is my life and I've got a job at a, at a tire store run by my father-in-law and, um, you know, I, these are the clothes I have to wear and I haven't had any time for myself or been able to do anything for myself in my day because of kids and all this stuff. Like, uh, I'm going to, buy this $2,000 suit. And when yeah. my wife gets mad at that idea, I'm going to get mad at her. And um, I don't know, like that stuff, it works, but it's also, you know, underneath it all is still just this question of like, but dude, it's not your life. And you know that to be the case. Like, yeah, you know, pick a side, either just, yeah, go for it, screw it. Like, I'm a, you know, what are the stakes if you mess this up, um, at, you know, or just decide you're not going to be that guy. Um, yeah. So it's it's still a little wishy-washy, I think, conceptually, this nugget here. And it makes me wonder, Craig, if this is a script that um, became less than what it was at some point earlier in the process prior um, to production or if there's perhaps 
a cut of this that's different somewhere in the uh, closets of whatever studio this was. I mean, yeah, I, I really wonder that, especially with the you story know? of Cash. Yeah, there had to be some explanation for some of that stuff, yeah. right? So crazy. Okay, well, let's talk about where this actually all goes. So, um, you know, it's mostly kind of digging into the domestic life of the suburbs and the relationship of it all and sort of the ebbs and flows of, of Nicolas Cage coming around to understanding uh, who he is in this world and what he can appreciate from it. There are things I liked in this, and one of them being him pretending to fall asleep as a means to not have sex with her. Uh, because mm. I, that would have felt really creepy to me. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta say, um, yeah. at, at that point in the story where she proposes, they do just that, and he knows that and quite enthusiastically. Not... Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, she's a pretty awesome wife here. So I, I, I do think they handled some of that stuff okay. Mm-hmm. And then you know he has this chance encounter with the guy who was his boss on Wall Street. This guy's driving by, I think, in a Rolls Royce or some some very fancy car, and he's got a flat tire, so he needs a new tire. He comes into the tire shop where Nicolas Cage is now working, and they have a conversation. And Nicolas Cage knows who he is and can talk the talk because of, you know, he says he's just been watching CNBC. Uh, <laughs> next thing you know, he's having a meeting at the place where he worked in his previous life, and is getting a job offer to now work on Wall Street and double his salary, and he wants to take it. And Taylor is like, no, no, this is not, this is what we moved away from the city from. You know, we didn't want to raise our kids here. I don't care about this. It's not about the money necessarily. And then once again, most amazing wife of all time comes around, you know what, if this is what you need, well, let's do it, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that was that. I'm trying to remember exactly how this plays out now because he sees cash again, right? He sees cash again in another convenience store. Cash is working behind the counter, right? Yeah, he goes. What does he get? I can't remember why he's there. I don't know. He's not getting eggnog this time. It's something else. Right. But he immediately is on edge because he thinks uh, that cash is going to end his time there i think yes wasn't that like he at says, that no, point he wants to stay in the, in the life that he's in with right Taylor but that's not what happens Craig. it's not because it was a glimpse he says it's a glimpse and that's all you get and then zim zam zoom we we have we have very sort of uh uh which which i th- i also thought was pretty effective maybe the most the the part of the movie that stands up the best to me is that he then goes home and essentially says goodbye to that family he does knowing yes. that he's going to wake up in his old life mm-hmm. and uh and i mean that's what happens wakes up in his old life everybody at the office is wondering where he is why he's late and he says give him time to change he's going to the airport he'll get to aspen and go talk this guy off the ledge right yeah and so this merger uh continues to go forward uh except he doesn't do that he looks up kate finds her number Gets the address and tells the driver we're not going to the airport. And he goes, and what he finds, again, I, on Christmas Day, I think, right? Uh, I want to say, well, that's a good question. Because that's I, what I don't, day it would have been, right? Or was this the day after Christmas now? I don't know how time works. I don't know if he woke up, <laughs> like, like you know, I don't know if it, like, cinched up, like, the, the moment that he, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't say for Either sure that way. it was actually Christmas, but I mean, you get you you have a good point. Uh, yeah, 
man, I don't know. But anyway, I, we forgot to mention the call, call girl makes another appearance uh, and he dismisses yes. her immediately. But yeah. Okay, so he's got Kate's address. Mm -hmm. This is it. This is a reunion, right? This is what is this going to look like now in this? I guess this is not the parallel universe. This is just what has been their real lives. And he goes to see her, and she's packing up. Got movers there. Her assistants working. That's why I was asking, is it Christmas Day? Because right. <laughs> uh, some of that stuff drove me crazy, which I know, yeah, people go back to work on the day after Christmas if it's a weekday, so I can forgive it if it's the day after, but I'm still confused about that. A little bit. She's loading everything up. She's been working as a lawyer and done quite well, and her firm has an office in Paris, and that's where she's moving. And, you know, he, he definitely was curious about why she called. And then that quickly gets to, oh, it was just there because, yeah, he, she had some stuff that belonged to him. Which, it would have been nice if that something in there, I don't even remember if anything meant anything whatsoever. Uh, but it's well, a very I casual some of conversation. English leather, leather, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. Yep. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and that was the uh, Elvis's cologne, right? Yeah. So it's not the reunion that he was hoping for. And obviously, he's just had this experience. And so he's looking at her differently than she's looking at him. And it's, you know, by her opinion, it's just like, oh, it's nice to see you. And um, yeah, uh, take care. He tries to get her to get coffee. And like, she really can't because she's scared of the airport. So what does he do? He, of course, and again, this is 2000. This movie wouldn't exist after 2001 oh, because I you know. couldn't just walk into an airport. It made me so freaking nostalgic. Hey. God, I remember those days. I mean, forget about walking. He is running full tilt through the airport. You'd be tackled and probably tased. Dude, he, did you, he drove his Ferrari there and parked it and left it running. He didn't even... <laughs> And the cops the said, you can't flags. park this here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, he didn't even turn the key off because the lights are still on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he would have been shot on site. Absolutely. Like now. Yeah. He would not be alive. God, these were the glory days. Yeah. <laughs> so he runs in and um, finds her right as she's about to get on the plane, calls her name, stops. And she's like, ah, you know, Jack, sorry. Um, if you need closure, okay. Like, um, this is it. It's fine. Uh, yes, you broke my heart for a little bit. I got over it. Life went on. Uh, I, I turned out okay. Like everything's good. I'm happy in my life and I'm moving to Paris and, uh, you know, you seem like you're doing well too. And it's like, okay, yeah, okay. He walks away and then one more time, pleased to her, he chooses us, begs her, just stay, just stay, catch another flight. They sit, they have coffee and the credits roll. Mm. Those two kids never happened. They're dead. They never will happen. They're too old <laughs> nope. to have kids now. Not going to have those kids no matter what happens. Nothing about yep. that other life will be this. So, I mean, I, I just felt like that is not what I wanted from a movie like this. I don't need that. Like, this is not... I don't know what sort of cautionary tale this is at all to begin with. But if you're going to at least attempt one... I want It's a Wonderful Life. End up with the damn family. Like, find some way, and it's yeah. not that tricky to just get him stuck in that other world, right? Well, it, you know, it's it's not tricky or... I mean, I, I think it is... I think it's a mean trick to play on the audience. Yeah. To have this lovely uh, relationship he has with, with this little girl who at some point says, Oh, Dad, you're back, which you knew she was going to say at some point. Yeah. And it was going to melt your heart, you know? And it's just like, yes. you're back, Dad. And then the movie's like, by the way, that girl, she doesn't exist. You know, it's she like, wait, what? Figment. Stop. Yes. Yeah, I, I I, thought what we were going to get was Nicolas Cage was like, I'll do anything. I'll do anything to have that life that you showed me. And then yeah. Cash was going to say like, well, then you have to do in brackets the hardest thing you could possibly do, you know, given your personality traits. Sure. And then he would do it. 
uh, and then he would ha- he would yeah we would end on that family you know having a family life in that house and it's like great and and that's what I that's what I, what I kind of expected I think that would have been a little bit more satisfying dude I know because it's just like now he's like oh he got to be this rich ass millionaire working on Wall Street like living the ultimate like you know that version of that life. Yeah, and now he's gonna. The movie is implying he's gonna have this wonderful well, I mean, n- new relationship with Kate again. You know. You know, you're absolutely right, and I didn't look at it that way. Yeah. But you're a hundred percent right. So in this version, he got to have all that stuff that he wanted to do, and be and live and be rich and be you know important in this company, and now he can just like eh, switch gears, and now he's a Family Guy, and he gets the best best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, you're right. <laughs> that would have been better. And they could now they can decide. You know what? Do we really want to have kids? Like maybe we do, but you know what? Oh, but isn't it nice that we're both super rich now that we right. get to, so we can have all that cool, that great times that we had in this fantasy life that never happened, but without any of that bad stuff, like <laughs> being poor and having to not buy right. certain things. And so it's, it was just a weird, not satisfying ending i thought in any shape or form it was and and i guess what i what i did like about it because it was so unexpected to me aside from the airport part which i was just like well that's totally that's how you ended every movie in the year 2000 but but i think that i i found it to be a tough thing because like it wouldn't let him get away with having made the choice he made Mm -hmm. and so it's like this is as good as it gets like, yeah, he's not going to have cute little Annie and the house out there and all that stuff. Like he, he lost all of that because he made that choice. But now he's got kind of a second chance with this woman who he was in love with. And so it felt a little it felt a little askew, but it felt kind of tougher. But then, yeah, it, I'm still left with the idea of like what what exactly was the point? Like if he had never had the glimpse, at some point, was he going to understand that he really regretted leaving her behind like if he never got that glimpse would would he have ever been really that torn up about not having had a family with Taylioni? let's look at it this way he could have not had the glimpse and still do absolutely everything that happened after the glimpse i mean he you're you're 100 right he could have called her it's like hey i heard you called last night and right. then have this conversation and, oh you know what like, yeah, let's go not only that like the stakes are so low mm-hmm. he doesn't even have to go to the airport he could go to Paris with her. He could go track. You know what? Mm. I mean, that's the I other shouldn't have let her go to Paris. Oh wait, I'm a millionaire, bazillionaire. Let me just hop yeah. on a plane and go find her. Like yeah. um, when she you know, said that at some point, she yeah. said, "Well, if you're ever in Paris," and I was like, "Yeah, why can't yeah. he just okay. be in Paris tomorrow?" Go to Paris. Yeah, I don't think they even like they could have said, uh, but I don't even think this was in here. If you don't go to Aspen, you're fired. This life, everything that you know about this Wall Street life that you've lived. It's gone if you don't go seal this deal, which maybe it's in the mix there, but I don't remember it stated explicitly from like his boss so that that decision to not go to the airport and fly out there, you know, even suggesting that that's going to somehow dramatically and drastically affect his life. Not really there. Yeah. You know? um, no, I don't. probably could still get another job even and be completely okay. So the stakes just got zapped at the end, unfortunately. They're certainly muddy. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no cash. Where's cash in all of the end of this? Like, uh, I still yeah. don't understand what's going on. So I think it was a letdown to me, man. Yeah. No, it, it 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 certainly by the time it got done it was a letdown. There there is a nice 
there is a nice bit in the middle there. Yeah. Uh, and, and just the, the end kind of obliterates all of it. Well, let's talk about the positives. Um, Ooh, yeah. Any uh, favorite moments or things that we haven't talked about? Or little, little bits of comedy or anything like that? Any cage-isms that you, that you loved or liked, uh, appreciated? Well, I, uh, of, of course, I, I loved that scene about the you're my alien dad. I thought that yeah. was great. Other scenes, boy. Uh, well, while you're thinking, I'll Please. give another one. Yeah, another yeah. one I really liked with the girl, um, yeah. Kinsey Vega, is, uh, you know, she's in the car and she's telling him, okay, you know, you work at Big Ed's Tires. And he's like, like, that's when it's just yeah. like, he still doesn't know anything about his life. He's like, that's where right. I work. So I'm a tire salesman. That's what, that's how, that's my job. That's what I do. <laughs> like, like, and it was, it was on the back of his head, I think. So you got her reaction to him saying this, I think. And just like, still, you could, I could see, it was such a low key delivery for him. Yeah. Um, that it was really funny. I mean, there was another time where he was talking to Cash, I think, in the car, and he's totally having his freak out. Things where it's like he has to say something about like just stop with the mumbo jumbo and tell me what's going on. But because this is Nicholas Cage, and as we talked about in Trapped in Paradise, and I do think like one of the big scenes in that movie where he completely caged out was conversational in a car and like here's the same mm-hmm. thing where he, you know, he was like mumbo jumbo like he like, the right. way he oh, pronounced yeah, yeah. that was just like why what are you doing like why why does that word need a punch like you know <laughs> extra stank on it yeah <laughs> yeah um so there was that and like he definitely i think was feeling how good he was looking physically in this right, in yeah. the making of this like he definitely spends a good bit of time in his underwear up front Walking around, singing opera. Uh, question, Chris, pop, Craig, pop quiz here. Mm. How old do you think Nicolas Cage was uh, in the year this came out? I would put him at, oh, man, I mean, at least 40. <clears throat> oh. 36. What? I looked it up. Yeah, he was born in 64. This came out. And doesn't... Oh, that's, yeah. Okay, doesn't yeah. that seem crazy? It does. And it's not just because of, it's not really like the way he looks per se, but I was thinking about like, okay, this came out in 2000, it's a year after we graduated film school. I feel like Nicolas Cage had already been in my life for like 20 years, you know, uh, in 2000. Yeah, 100%. Um, but, yeah, he just got such an early start, I think, and had been working so long at this point already, but I was like, holy cow, 36. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's insane. It yeah. is. Especially to be having a midlife crisis in a movie. Um, yeah. But now I just feel like, you know, it was barely mature at 36. So that was kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, those those were some of my picks. And uh, well, anything come to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, a, a, another kind of weird bit that, I don't know, it, it, it was another thread that sort of started and, and ended maybe almost immediately. But I was kind of intrigued by the bit where he sort of has this idea that maybe he's going to have an affair with this lady yeah. in the neighborhood. Evelyn, right? Yeah. And, and it is, it's, it's like he has like a, as we've been saying, it's like he has a a sort of a fast forwarded midlife crisis by having this glimpse. Mm -hmm. And, but yeah, again, that whole thing seems so confusing because it's like, I don't know. I I don't know. I I, I don't know. Again, you're, you're you're in the middle of a glimpse. I mean, maybe, maybe this makes more sense. You're in the middle of a (laughs) glimpse that doesn't matter. Nothing in it matters, but you're not going to have sex with Tia Leone, but you're, you, you're thinking about having sex with this other lady, even though you're married in this glimpse. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
It was bizarre, but it just didn't. It felt like it didn't get a payoff, you know. It did. Uh, that was my big thing. Like it also makes me wonder. It's like, okay, yeah, did something get cut there? Because, you know, if you follow sort of like you know thinking of like threes, like things working in three, you know, setup, middle, end. Okay, so she's set up as flirtatious at this Christmas party, mm-hmm. and then you get the middle scene where they're at the bowling alley, and he talks to her, and they get real honest and i actually like lisa thornhill is the actress and i loved how she played that scene i thought it was really oh, good yeah. and she was just like look you know so we're gonna say what hasn't been said and it was just like you know this this and this are you asking me if i wanted it to be a little bit more the answer is yes and so you know it, it was just it was handled in a way that felt mature to me but then there's no third scene there's there's no, no unless i'm completely blanking on it i mean he gets like some advice from jeremy piven to not do that Right. Um, and that, that seems to be it. That seems um, to be the function of it. Yeah. Is for, is yeah. to try and just so we can say to him, you have something very valuable and you should appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not real. Even though it's not real and there are no <laughs> And neither stakes. is this, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And uh, if you have sex with her, there's no stakes either because that's not yeah. real probably. Because yeah, as um, soon as a glimpse is over, it will be like it never happened. Yeah. Uh, so that whole thing is bizarre. Uh, what did you think of Jeremy Pittman in this? You know what? I... I I found him so likable, and I think Me of too. him so much as that entourage character now. Yep. That I mean, wow, he he was likable, not at all obnoxious to me mm-hmm. in any way. He just seemed like a normal, good friend. Yeah. Character. Yeah. I really um, there's that whole sequence where Nicolas Cage finds a videotape of Taylor's birthday party from the previous year or so. And uh, Jeremy Piven was the one who was filming it. And, you know, he's like doing uh, commentary and, you know, zooming in on Lisa Thornhill's boobs and all this stuff. <laughs> and uh, I thought that stuff was actually really funny. Like it was a nice little sequence. Um, but, yeah, it didn't. Uh, again, none of these things actually ever like pay off i guess or have like a full character arc of sorts not enough and then and and kind of yeah just just made a little bit worse by the fact that yeah at the end you can't fight to save any of it yeah it's just it's just something that yeah i I don't know i don't know Uh, yeah it is so interesting 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 okay Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that's Brett Ratner. What did you make of the direction that's in this? This is nice. definitely uh, different from uh, anything else I've seen of his, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, because I, I don't really have necessarily preconceptions of, you know, Brett Ratner's signature style or anything. Right. I mean, it, it's it certainly had a pretty good rhythm to it. I feel like most of the time he, he had, uh, it seems like he had some sort of control over Nick Cage. Yeah. Because, it, you know, it's it's a performance that generally stays in the lane, aside from, you know, mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> yeah. Mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> uh, certainly, whatever hand he had in casting, he did a good job with that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I can't really complain, aside from the fact that it does feel like the story is not clear and could have been better told, which I guess that does also fall within his purview, so... What about you? What do you? Th- uh, I wish it had been funnier. I, I think it could have used like a, an injection of comedy sort of throughout, especially with like Taya Leote. Like I feel like she can be really funny. She does. Like she could have used some. I, I just my thing. I was just looking at his filmography right now, and so like he did Money Talks in '97, Rush Hour '98, huge huge hit, right? And then he did a bunch of music videos, and so The Family Man was the first film he made post uh, Rush Hour, first uh, feature. 
and I'm guessing it was just like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I want this to be sort of like more, I want to lean more dramedy to show my chops. And then he made Rush Hour 2, you know, immediately a year later. Right. So I get it, but I think the movie would have been better if it had been a little bit funnier. Sure. Especially given the people we had. Get Don Cheadle, like, give him some laughs. He's great, yeah. you know. Um, so I guess that's my disappointment um, that feels like something that would have been more in his hands uh, had he wanted it to be. But, uh, you know, beyond that, yeah, it looks it looks fine. Um, yeah, there's nothing, I don't know. I, I didn't love the shots of the baby peeing, the kid peeing. I don't know that we needed no. that. Um, it's not no. the kind of humor I was thinking of. Uh, but even just how it was shot, I thought it was kind of gross. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to pretty that up, though. You know? <laughs> I guess it is, but I it's do think, really... you know, it ain't raising Arizona, so uh, oh, I'll say that. Oh, but wait a second. We didn't even talk about maybe the most important part of the entire movie, Sean. Wait, what? Whenever it starts snowing, that means something. All right. What does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is it's it starts snowing twice in the movie, and both times Nick Cage kind of looks up at it meaningfully. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, I know I, re- I read that it was supposed to symbolize change, which I guess maybe it was snowing when he showed up at the house the first time, the suburbs perhaps. And well, no, it, it snowed. When did it snow the went, first went time? On his way to the convenience store, it snowed. Ah. And then. And then the night he was going to go back to sleep and go back to his old life, it snowed when he was mm-hmm. walking the dog. That damn dog. I did love uh, him the first time he had to walk the dog when he was like, will you please sometime in this century take yeah. a dump? Yeah. Great, great. Like in the middle of the night and it's freezing. Yeah, I've yeah that there. is. Uh, I have been there. True to oh life. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just poop for the love of God. <laughs> uh, that hit home for sure. Yeah. Well, I think this movie is absolutely one to sit down and check out over the holidays. It's a very good TV movie, I think. And I don't Mm -hmm. mean that as in like a movie made for TV. I think it would play particularly well on cable, on something that you have on TV where you can pop in and out a little bit, yeah. uh, you know, hit pause or go Maybe you're making Christmas cookies. Eat something nice, drink something warm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is completely inoffensive, I think. Yeah. Disappointing, sure, some of the story stuff. But beyond that, I, I have no problems recommending it. Me too. I, I, I fall in that same camp. I kind of feel like if you if you miss just enough of it, then by the end you'll just feel like, oh yeah, that, that made sense. And then yep. and you'll kind of just carry on with it. You know, you'll, your mind will fill in the blanks. I want more Taya Leone in really good movies, and maybe she's been in some, and I'm just not that up to speed. Yeah, um, maybe next season is all Taya Leone. I feel like it should be. Uh, mm. So, yeah, check that out. I watched it, Craig, on Cinemax. I got a free month trial through my Apple TV, so if anybody's listening to this and knows anything else that's on Cinemax worth watching, let me know. I didn't really <laughs> look, but... Uh, uh, it's there. I don't know that it's streaming anywhere else, though. I, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, like I didn't it. see it streaming. That's the same yeah. thing I did, actually, was, mm-hmm. was I did that free trial of Cinemax, and uh, and uh, it wasn't the best stream. wasn't it, the it best wasn't. looking yeah. stream in the world, but uh, but uh, I was certainly glad it was there when, when, when I needed it. All right, Craig. Well, I hope everybody listening will come back next time <laughs> and listen to the next two episodes. We're going to tee up yet another movie. That is further inspired a little, I suspect, a lot more closely <laughs> to mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life than this one. But it was cool to check this one out and see what they did with this sort of concept and the, the Dickens concept. Um, 
So come back next time. Check out the movie. If you've seen it, let us know what you thought. I suspect a lot of you have seen it, although I suspect it's also probably been a while. Mm-hmm. So maybe you revisit it. And uh, we'll look forward to it then. But Craig, mm. any last words? Mambo uh, Jumbo. Uh, of course. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. <laughs>